The following sermon production is the fifth sermon in the series, Becoming Hungry, 40 Days of Lent, originally delivered at Mount Hope Church of Salisbury, North Carolina, on March 21st, 2021. Titled, A Man Named John, the hope of this pertinent message is tied to the responsible duty of every Christian to spread abroad the knowledge of God, to confess His Son Jesus, and to be baptized into the Holy Ghost. May this homily cure the anxiety of heart and still the mind as God's words infuse you with boldness, truth, and confidence in Christ. And now, here is Matthew Pope. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed in a moment. Hello and welcome to In a Moment. I'm your host, author and writer Matthew Pope, and today we'll be discussing, and you will be hearing, the fifth sermon in the sermon series, Becoming Hungry, 40 Days of Lent, originally preached at Mount Hope Church in Salisbury, North Carolina. This next sermon in the lineup will be concerning the person of St. John the Baptist and is titled aptly, A Man Named John. Now today, and in the course of the church history and the calendar that's associated with it, we remember the person of St. John the Baptist a precursor, a waymaker for the Christ, and someone laying down the foundation, if you will, for the person of Jesus as Messiah and Savior to come into the world to save us from our sins. And before we go into the Word, I would like to open up in prayer. So let us go to the Lord. Father God, thank you for your Word. Thank you, God, for Scripture. Thank you, Father, for opening us to everything that you've wanted to give us, Father, concerning wisdom, salvation, truth, knowledge, teaching, Father. Thank you for the scriptures. Thank you, God, for this program to allow listeners to hear your word and your gospel preached and presented, and that they may become children of God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we ask this and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, today I'll be in Matthew chapter 3, and we'll be discussing these scriptures in relation to Matthew 4.1, which was the main text or the main theme of this Lenten series, as the series was preached during the season of Lent, it's still applicable throughout the year, but there's a potential or potency, if you will, of understanding that John the Baptist had a special role, especially before Christ arrived on the scene. And in Matthew 4, we're discussing the wilderness motif, that Christ would go up into the into the wild um, and, and be, for us, this prefiguration of what is to come. So in other words, in, in Lent, we would live out the, the wilderness motif ourselves. We would be desperate for water, desperate for food, for nourishment. We would go through temptations and trials and the testation thereof, and Christ would do the same. We, w- we would be doing this now. And, by his example and, and because of his example, but during the time of before um, he launched his ministry, Christ is going into the wild, and so John the Baptist is a precursor to this in the way that John the Baptist is a man, a preacher, an archetype of Christ coming out of the wild himself, eating wild honey and locusts, and basically dressed 
as though he is tamed by beasts. He is a, a burly man uh, from description and paintings and, and from what we can imagine by reading the scriptures. And he's one that is preaching uh, the coming and the arrival of Christ. He is, he is making a way. He's making an avenue for Christ to come about. And so as we visit John the Baptist, as we'll see in the sermon outline, um, he's going to be baptizing when Christ arrives, when the Messiah comes on the scene. He's going to have a a certain role to fulfill, not just um, being a disciple maker himself, but also serving as a leader, a ministerial leader, um, the last great prophet of the scriptures and especially of the gospels um, as Christ comes to save man and and has become man uh, to do that very thing. So let's go into Matthew 3, Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It's going to be Matthew 3, 1 through 12. I'm reading from the New International Version, which originally when I preached this sermon series, uh, it was um, out of the King James. So there is some King James speech in my book adaptation of this sermon, but for today on this program, I'm actually using the NIV. And the word says, In those days John the Baptist came, preaching in the desert of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the, with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn, and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now there's many imagery uh, in this particular passage, and there's ones that we're going to have to explain as we continue to understand just exactly the meaning of what is happening here, the context and the theme, rather. Um, And so the first point of my sermon is to repent and cry out for repentance for the kingdom. John the Baptist is coming to represent the kingdom of God. He is coming onto the scene to prepare a stage for Christ, who is the king of glory and the king of the kingdom of God and of heaven. And so he's coming to usher in this new kingdom, a kingdom mindset. And that's something that you may have pastors say today uh, when they're speaking of Great Commission. I know I came from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, and it was always kingdom, a kingdom mindset. Great Commission classrooms. Um, So these things are all pertaining to God and His kingdom, to basically spreading a precedent uh, for heaven on earth in the sense of converting souls, beginning churches, and building up that which we've been given. And so John the Baptist is coming because he's inspired by the Holy Spirit. He was literally uh, enraptured or uh, entered in by the Holy Spirit uh, while he was in the womb. He's one of the only characters, if not the only one besides Christ, that has this uh, privilege, in so many words, 
uh, to be so. He was engulfed and enamored by the Spirit of God uh, as he was still developing into an infant. And it's something that is impassioned uh, inside of him. And is it a fury of God's passion that burns in him? And that is why he is such a pivotal character for preaching and ministry, because he is something that we should all be endeavoring to become. He is the quintessential preacher. He is the one that is bold and zealous. He does not give in. And so when he's preaching to the Pharisees and Sadducees, he's rebuking them. They were the ones that pretty much owned uh, the areas of Judea and Israel at this time in terms of religious and moral superiority. And he is questioning them on the basis of scripture and that of the revelation of the Spirit of God. He is confronting them. He is threatening them. And this is why they feared him in the sense they feared him because so many of the people around that area in that time loved John the Baptist. But at the same time, they feared him because he was a threat. He was a threat to their political power and their prowess. And he was a threat uh, to their humility, uh, to their character, to their standing uh, in the community, even though in reality the Pharisees and Sadducees were nothing but hypocrites and disbelievers. Uh, John the Baptist called them out and called them and called their bluff as to where they were standing uh, in terms of living by Mosaic law, Abrahamic covenants. But John the Baptist is going to present himself, and if you uh, want some further reading, you can visit Daniel 2.44, and it says, In the days of these kings shall be shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. And so you see there's a picture um, of Daniel 2.44 in the words of John the Baptist here. You see there's a picture of the kingdom of God. There is something that his mindset is telling him, and this is what he's all about. Repent and cry out for repentance for the kingdom is the point that I made, but he's going to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. This is his preaching message. He is wanting to come for repentance, and he's baptizing in repentance. Now, he's prophesying of Christ who comes and says, he was going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Christ will give the Holy Spirit. Um, this is something that's fulfilled later on with the disciples receiving the Holy Spirit by Christ breathing on them. And he speaks of purging the fire and all the threshing floor. And this is a reference to Christ saying that all the good works that come out, you know, they'll be tried with fire. Some will be uh, consumed and some will be purified. And so there's all this imagery and, and language uh, going into the elements of Christ. It's fire, uh, the spirit of the dove, there's water for baptism. These things are always relevant and God uses them for a specific purpose. Uh, he's he's uh, building the narrative here in the Gospels, especially as we begin the ministry of Jesus. He's beginning the uh, the lineage of a preaching tree, the lineage of an apostolic tree. And John the Baptist is the father of the Gospels in so many ways. He's the one out of the preaching that's going to see fruit bear, even or fruit bore. Even Christ is that fruit in a way because John the Baptist, through his ministry is going to set the tone and the precedent for Jesus coming. And then Jesus will fulfill um, that which John has already laid forth by baptism, by discipleship, and every other um, type of ministry related to uh, travel and evangelism uh, and pure doctrine as well, since John the Baptist is going to argue for the doctrine of Christ. 
Um, so there's a wilderness motif as well. That John the Baptist is coming out of the wilderness. He's getting prepared, just as Christ will do the same thing later on. Christ will go into the wilderness to get prepared for his ministry and then come out. And that's when you have the thrice temptation of Jesus by Satan. Uh, but John the Baptist is very similar. So there's a similar uh, action and result here uh, where you have a testation in the wild. Um, you have a going without period. And then you have this, this uh, training that proves to be fulfilled in, in the actual ministry. So there's hands-on ministry where you're doing the ministry and there's preparation, and it usually goes hand in hand. It's a blend. Uh, and John the Baptist and Jesus both represent this very well. Uh, so moving into the second point, take the, Roman, take the Romans' road to Jesus Christ. In other words, get into desert preparation. If we're moving through Lent, but also I'm going to speak to us throughout the rest of the seasons of the church throughout the year, if you're moving towards Christ, you have to have preparation. There will be times in your life where there will be dry periods of prayer, of spiritual motivation, of energy, of interest, of care. And Satan will use those times to bring you out so that you don't produce anything, that you have no fruition, nothing comes to fruition in your life. You have um, little to no uh, or little to none uh, investment in the spiritual life. You will grow callous and cold, potentially. You'll grow discouraged. And perhaps John the Baptist did this when he was in prison later on by Herod because he had questioned some marital relations there and some adultery. Uh, I'm sure he lost heart as well. He would eventually be beheaded um, by Herodias' sake. And so you have this idea that's coming to that's actually happening in scripture where we get to these periods of immense assault and attack by the evil one but that doesn't prevent john the baptist from from working even when he's imprisoned he is still as bold as ever and he is still committed to the word of god because now he knows that eventually he learns that the messiah is christ and jesus whom he baptized is actually the messiah so he puts these things together and he says in john 3:30 now, I want to decrease what Christ should increase, and that should be the plea for all of us. And so even towards the end of death, even when he's faced with execution, he's still preaching and praising Christ. And that is uh, the model for us, especially as uh, those entering the preaching and pastoral ministry of the church. And so we're taking the Romans road to Jesus Christ. Now, the Romans road is a popular salvation technique. A lot of pastors would bring people through Romans, through the doctrine of Romans, uh, and introduce them to Christ and get them to confess their sins and, and work through doctrine and believe and so accept Christ. And so it culminates in Romans 10, 9, and 10, really, um, where we confess with the mouth and believe in the heart, and so salvation is activated. But it begins in Romans 3.23, and I'm going to read these very quickly. Uh, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And this is true. We've all uh, partaken of the depravity of our own fallenness, inherited by Adam and Eve, and so we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all fallen, sh fallen short of the mark of holiness that God has set forth. Um, so this is just a reality that we acknowledge. Romans 6.23 follows, and it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so sin produces death. We are dead in our trespasses and sins without Christ. But... God gave us life through Jesus. So God offers Jesus as his son, uh, as the one that would take the, the hurt and the pain and the sting of death in sin. And Christ would offer it on his body for us in our place. And so we can have life, eternal life even, through Christ. 
And then finally, Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And this is, this is simplicity. Um, all we have to do is believe and confess. And if we believe anything in this life, we often confess it as well. Now, if we say we believe, for instance, if, if some believe uh, in myths or, or legends, we often say, I believe in that. I think that's true. Um, and so this, it's very much the same way with Christ. If you actually believe it in your heart, you will confess it naturally. It is a natural inclination um, to give praiseworthy words and attempts at the lip for the very things that we think are, are real and exist and the things that we have a devotion to. This is no different with Jesus. And so finally, Romans 10, 13 says, for whosoever, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And this is universal. So in other words, anybody can be saved. If you call upon the Lord, and that is the Christian Lord, the Lord God, you will be saved. It doesn't have to be based on race based on a previous affiliation, based on a political party, it is anybody who truly confesses Jesus, confesses God, confesses the Lord, and truly believes they have the potential and the availability to be saved. And so that is the Romans road. And we also see that Christ, or the Lord, is manifesting this in John the Baptist's ministry um, because he's saying the same things, but in different ways. And so I compare that uh, to four different things that John the Baptist had said in regards to the similarity of the Romans road. And that is when he says, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So we, he knew that the, there was a time coming. He knew that the Messiah was on, on, on the way. He was arriving soon. So there was an urgency. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent because Christ is coming and he's coming in the flesh. And so now today for us preachers or us pastors or us Christians, we say repent for the kingdom of God is at hand because Christ is coming back. He's coming to ransom a church and a people for himself. So this is all relevant. John the Baptist would say prepare the way of the Lord. He's going before God. He is going before God in flesh. And so he's laying down all these things. He's telling all these people what to expect, what to look, what to look for. And preachers and pastors do the same thing. For many, many years, and crusades and tent revivals, we're not only saving souls, but we're also giving signs and showing signs by the Word of God, indicating that Christ is coming back and what to look for, what to anticipate before He does come back. Carrying on, John the Baptist is saying, and we're baptized of Him confessing their sins, so they confess their sins when John baptized them. So that'd be very similar to what we do today in the church. Um, we use it as a symbol, as a sign, but we also use it as an inward reality with an external feature. In other words, there's a sacramental. There's just something going on in the water and in the, in the spirit of the person. Uh, God is working in that baptism. And so John was doing the very same thing. He was having them confess their sins. Uh, but this is before Christ, so it was more symbolic. Uh, it was more just to show loyalty and discipleship. When Christ comes, it's to show example. It's to literally, as Paul would say, be buried in death and then raised in the likeness of his of his flesh, a likeness of his life. And so that's what baptism will become uh, after Christ. But John is doing the very same thing before Christ arrives and as Jesus does arrive. And then the fourth one is John is saying, bring forth therefore fruits, meat for repentance. In other words, come with your gifts and talents for repentance. Show yourself as worthy for repentance. Repent, first of all, and then come and show forth yourself. Uh, as made ready for Christ, as made ready for his ministry, as made ready uh, for discipleship. Because John was looking for discipleship too. 
John and his disciples were speaking, as I referenced earlier, about the Christ and if he was truly, in fact, the Messiah. And so when John learns of that, his disciples, John's disciples, become Jesus' disciples. Uh, and if you think, there was at one time some 70 to 500 followers that Christ had at one point in the ministry. Um, so I, I would assume, no doubt, that some of these were indeed John's disciples as well that had been transferred over. And so now we come to the third point, the third and final point, and that is to be John the Baptist. Be as John. In other words, you and I can never be John the Baptist, and you and I can never be St. Peter or the Gospel writers or Elijah or Enoch, but we can be as John the Baptist and we can have the look of a prophet. And so for those who preach the word, and hopefully in and out of season, we can be and look and sound and live just like John the Baptist. In other words, we can be so captivated and motivated to preach the word, to preach Christ. We can be looked upon as the wild man. We can be looked upon as the the, the hysteric person that's coming out of the woods, that's coming out of a forest. I'm not saying or encouraging someone to dress as though they have poverty, but to be poor in spirit is a beatitude. And we have to preach Christ. We have to preach him with a joy and a zealous heart. And this is what John the Baptist did. And we ask for his prayers. St. John the Baptist, pray for us as we continue to do ministry work and do the work of the Word, preparing our ways in our hearts, especially in Lent, but even before Easter and after, and the Ascension and Epiphany and Christmas and all the other seasons and holidays, living Christ, living out Christ, readying ourselves, making an abode, giving a dwelling place, a chamber for Jesus to come in and for his presence to fill us. And this is something that John the Baptist was doing. Even as Christ came about, he was still doing this very thing. Um, But this is the word. This is the whole picture. This is the pivotal part of the Becoming Hungry series was that we have to work our ways to literally becoming as a prophet, literally becoming the person of a preacher. Now, we don't have to have a church, we don't have to have a soapbox or a tent, but we do have to be intentional with our Christian walk and outward appearance as though we were John the Baptist. What would he do? How would he preach? How passionate was he? And we can see the word testifies that he was quite passionate. So we have to be the same for Christ because we love Jesus and we cannot help it. If we believe it in the heart, then we confess it by the mouth. And this is how we are to live. This is what God has desired for us. Not to leave our habitation and become something else if we're not called to it. But we're all called to be witnesses of Christ. And John the Baptist was no different. He was the true and faithful witness before the actual true and faithful witness. And so I want to read the first chapter of John. And actually it's going to be not the entire chapter, but a good amount. And it's concerning John. John the Baptist, not written by John the Baptist, written by John the Beloved, but a testimony of John the Baptist and a testimony of Christ together, because they had a kinmanship, they were cousins, there was relation there, relationship, and it was something that has to be noted, and that I wanted to finish my sermon with, so I concluded it with these words, and the word says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God, his name was John. He came as a witness, 
to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gives life, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. This is Jesus. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. And the word became flesh, and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. John the Baptist testifying. From the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. And today, because of John the Baptist's testimony and faithfulness, we know Christ because he has made him known through his word and through the writing of the gospel and through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so I pray the same for us today. I pray you would make Christ known to others through the preaching of the word, through the living out of the word and the faith of the Christian gospel. And I pray to God that you would know Christ, that you would believe in your heart and confess him as Lord. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for this word. Thank you for your spirit. Bless this message. Bless this sermon, God. Bless these listeners and those hungry for the word. And I pray, God, that you would be glorified, that your son would be known and made known, Father, and that we would go before him always. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.